Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. I'm sitting at the PDAC in Toronto. It's the world's biggest mining conference. And sitting next to me is the president and CEO of Holdra Silver. His name is Ryan Sharp. Ryan, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Excellent stuff. Now, I heard your story about an hour ago, and uh, it was a very exciting story. And I guess uh, I guess the first place to start before we, we go into the company and what you do and so on is to explain what Huldra means. Uh, a Huldra is a Norwegian troll witch that hides her silver in a mountain. Very good. So uh, let's talk about, I presume that means that, that you've got a lot of silver hidden in the mountain somewhere. So why don't we start with an overview of Huldra. Tell us, uh, um, uh, yeah, just give us a few bullet points about the company. Huldra is a near-term producer of high-grade silver from underground mining operations. We put the vein system is predominantly uh, silver lead and silver zinc run it running in conjunction with each other. We are a couple of months away from completing a mill construction off-site to begin processing it. Uh, the target for the company is to produce 2 million ounces a year, and we believe we will start on that run rate sometime in the third quarter. Very good. And, and whereabouts is your, is your silver mine? Our silver mine is two and a half hours east of Vancouver, B.C., and the mill site is uh, in the in the city of Merritt, BC. Okay. Now, we'll, I guess we'll find out in a minute why why you've built the mill away from the mine. There's a very good reason for that. Um, but uh, why don't we start? Why don't we kind of backtrack and give us a bit of history of the company, and then then I, you know we we know where we are. The the company itself was was founded in 1980 for, by Magnus Bratling, who's still on the board of directors. He was a, a prospector for about 25 years in, in British Columbia prior to starting the company. He staked out all the ground based on being on that property a number of years before. He uh, made a major discovery on the property of a new vein system in 1985, and the company went public in 1987. Uh, the mine was essentially developed between 87 and 89, and given the low price of silver in 89, the development stopped, and for the next 17 years, only minor exploration programs were conducted. Okay, and then the company came up for sale, and a few people bid for it, and, and you won the bid? Or give us no, the story. I, I didn't. Uh, the, the company itself had a number of people approach it to buy it during that 17-year uh, period. Um, nobody actually sat down with Magnus to really find out what he wanted. Um, I, I, I did not buy out the company. I actually bought into the company, and Magnus is one of my business partners today on it and still a director with the company and a significant shareholder. And, I mean, if, basically, of the people who are pitching for the company, you were the only one who offered Magnus a job. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't work so much anymore, but uh, I, I offered him a partnership in, in a sense. Okay, very good. So now let's talk about, uh, I mean, this is a very exciting story. I, I don't like to be too silly as regular listeners will, will know, but uh, the, 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 this, is a, this is an exciting one. And, and so why don't you tell us um, 
uh, yeah, you're, you've got this mine, it's about to go into production. Why don't you tell us, I suppose a good place next is, is about your resource. What have you got and uh, what does the world think you've got? The, that that uh, makes sense, that question, by the way, as you're about to find out. Yeah, the, the resource itself is very limited. When I took over the property, uh, there was a, an update of the resource estimate from the historical in 2007. It was done on limited data. And uh, when I took it over, we decided it was, it was good enough to go into production and we didn't need to prove out a large resource. So right now there's 880,000 ounces in the indicated category and 3.5 million ounces in the inferred category plus, plus uh, base metal credits. If you're aiming to produce 2 million ounces a year, that therefore gives you a mine life of about two years. Yeah, I wouldn't be... I, I normally... No one, no one in their right mind would build a mill the size that we are if, if they thought they had a two-year mine life. We had a larger historical resource, which we're not allowed to quote right now. Um, and most of our major shareholders have, have actually sent their own technical teams to the property to verify, to verify the resources for themselves and what they see going forward. So they're satisfied that there's something more there, enough to, to put money in. So that, I suppose that brings us to our next question. Who are your major shareholders? Uh, the major shareholders in the company, um, to, to name a, a few, are uh, Sprott. Uh, Coeur d'Alene Mining owns, owns a significant chunk, Waterton Global, and, and a number of other larger Canadian funds. How much does management own? Uh, approximately 16%, 17% is held by directors, management, employees. So the employees are buying the shares constantly, so I don't know the exact number. Okay, very good. The, the share price, I should say, is about $1.33, and the market cap of the company is about, uh, about just over $40 million. That's right, isn't Yes, it? yeah. Okay. And you trade, trade on the venture under the ticket symbol HDA. Now, um, so you've got a bigger resource, well, you think you've got a bigger resource than you're allowed to state. You've got, tell us about this mill. Why have you built the mill 70 kilometres away from the actual mine? The, the mill's been built off-site. The, the mine itself is, is in a mountainous region with high precipitation uh, and bad topography for a tailings dam so, and, and no power. So we bought a, a previously operating mine site that, that came with most of the permits in place, an extremely large tailings facility, power right to the site, and it's on a major highway, and it's a very dry climate. So I, almost ideal conditions for milling, milling and tailings. Okay, and you will truck ore from, we, we, from the mine site to the mill? We truck the raw ore straight out of the ground to, from the mine site to the mill with no on-site processing. Okay, now are there issues with trucking ore? Um, no. Sometimes if, with low-grade ore there's, there are issues, if I'm right in saying. Yeah, with low-grade low ore, obviously that would add to your cost. Right now, on a, on a tonnage basis, it's costing us about $12 a tonne, and given the current grades, that is a, an insignificant cost to us. Okay, grades then. Let's talk about your grades. Well, we've been currently doing a bulk sample underground, and the, the grades have been running at 911 grams per, per ton or just under a kilo of silver and about 13.5% base metal credits. So that, that is one of the, the higher grade mines existing in the world today. Am I right in saying only silver corpse? Uh, uh, is it the Ying mine? Yeah, the, the Ying mine in China is currently the highest, highest grade silver mine in the world. There's there's a number of mines uh, in Mexico, Canada, and, and the United States that, that run at very similar grades to what we're running at. So we can't call ourselves 
the second highest grade mine. We can call ourselves almost tied with a number of other mines for that grade, as far as my knowledge is. Okay. Now, if we talk about, I know you like to think things. You're an operations guy, so you like to think you you think per ton. But if we can, for the sake of stupid people like me, talking things per ounce. Um, you envisage, am I right in saying, $67 an ounce? Cost? Yeah, approximately. We don't have a feasibility study, but based on the, the cost to date on the, the underground mining and the estimated mill costs and trucking costs, we should we should end up somewhere around $67. But by the time you offset your base metals... Pretty close to zero. Very good. And so you're hoping to produce 2 million ounces... At a cost of zero. At a cost of zero, and your market cap... And, and we should, I suppose, uh, remind listeners what the silver price currently is. In fact, I haven't looked today. I think it's down, but I think it's about $31, $32. I think it's somewhere between 32 and $33 today. Okay. And uh, so, you know, pretty impressive numbers. And your market cap's, what was it, $40 million. So that's good. I, um, the Now... What should we talk about next? Do you want to talk about the development, the, the areas around the mine, or do you want to talk a bit more about the, the quality of the rock that you have? I, I think we can talk about the development, because I alluded to that when I gave the history. Okay, yeah. let's talk about the development. Then. So the mine itself, when, when we inherited it, had 2,750 metres of underground development. We've increased that development for production reasons just a little over 3,000 metres. So in terms of it's on four levels... We are currently mining on one level. The other three levels of the mine have not been mined. We have a fully operational camp on site that we put in in about one month last year. Uh, From a development standpoint, we got on the property last year uh, in early June, and we were actually mining by November, including all surface infrastructure and underground development. Very good. Now... So by the time, how much is all this going to cost? Or how much more money do you need? What is your current cash position? The current cash position is around $3.7 million. We've, we've paid for all the development at the mine and are currently mining. Uh, most of the mill, mill equipment has been purchased, so it's essentially assembly and, and working capital going forward. We have $2.5 million left on a debt facility if required. Uh, and we've been getting a number of in-the-money warrants exercised lately. So the cash position is healthy. Uh, you know, from a risk standpoint, if, if, if capital came at a, at a higher price when we pass a couple more milestones, it wouldn't be such a bad thing. Okay, but do you, need, you don't need to raise any money at the moment? Not today, no. I mean, but, and to actually start producing, uh, we'll talk about permitting in just a moment, but let's say all the, permit, all the final permitting was in place. To, to, to get yourself to, to cash flow, how much more money would you need, do you need? We don't actually need any money, but just for, for comfort's sake. Okay. We, we, are, we have some scenarios with warrant exercises, and with our significant shareholders, they're willing to, to exercise warrants to make sure we can get into production. I mean, you know, the, the markets are, are, are volatile right now, but under the right scenario, we would raise some more equity. Okay, let's just talk permitting now, because most of the permitting is there, but it's not... Yeah, yeah we, we don't have the final permit on the mine yet, and, and, and I can't say that you know, you're know you going to guarantee to get it because that influences the person that signs the permit. But all our permits have been through all the consultations and all the technical reviews, and we're just awaiting on, on getting the permitting back. Okay, very good. Now, we've talked about the development, we've talked about the camp, uh, we've talked about the surface infrastructure. Um, so I suppose let's talk about the exploration uh, should we talk about the exploration? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So go on. Now, uh, there's a lot of unexplored. 
yeah. bits around this mine. Yeah, the mine, the the property we have is around seven thousand acres. Most of the exploration and development has been on a very small piece of the property. Uh, the total surface area of that area is probably three to four hundred acres. We we had a we did a number of geochemistry programs last year, and and have identified some new targets to drill next year. We did a significant drill program on the mine itself that seems to extend the dimensions of the the mine. Uh, approximately one kilometer from the underground mine, we did a, a small open cut and found some very significant. Uh, grading silver material which seems to be on strike um, straight out of the ground that material was was running um, 5,900 grams a ton or 6 kilos and 69% lead and, and, the, and the last point we cut it it was over a, about 14 to 15 inches plus disseminated material on the outside so it was above what most people can produce as smelter grade, straight out of the ground. Let's let's move from there into some of the drill highlights, and uh, you can tell us some of the grades that you've got there as well. Yeah, we, it was the the drill program. We sometimes have trouble with recovery on on the types of ore we have because they're they're, they're they, they fracture very easily. But on the drill program we did last fall, and, and have been getting the just got all the results back. Uh, we hit some very significant intercepts. Uh, outside the current resource, and probably one of the most significant ones is we hit 7,000 grams of ton of silver, 21% lead, 19% zinc, and 5% manganese over 1.37 meters. So, th- those are those are extremely high results for, and it is definitely outside the resource. So. Very good. Um, so, so, so a, a mine with cash flow uh, and uh, genuine exploration upside. What can go wrong? What can go wrong at this point is uh, is not not a lot. I mean, uh, when you when you look at it from a de-risking standpoint, uh, I mean the next major milestone for the company would be the permitting. The metals prices are obviously always a risk. And some people say, you know, constructing a mill and operating a mill is a risk. A year ago when we were in a bit of a, uh, more of a bull market, no one considered that a risk because they felt that any idiot could turn a, turn a mill on at some point. So, Okay. Now, tell us, let, let's, uh, let's find a, a bit more about you, Ryan. What's your background? I mean, you look, I'd say you're 40 years old, something like that? I'm 42 years old. I, uh, my education... I have an economics degree and an MBA, uh, so it's a heavily financed-backed education. My practical work experience is I spent 10 years running a a very large environmental contracting company in in Western Canada, so a lot of similar issues on environmental, um, environment, environment, waste management, and, and a lot of things that apply to the mining business. I also spent seven years in the brokerage business prior to leaving and, and operating this company. So a bit, a bit on the money side and a bit on the operations side, which yeah. is a, a good mix, I'd say. Um, so what's the, the, the long-term goal for the company? Is it just to, to build and run a mine? And uh, go on, tell us, what, what's your exit strategy, if you like? Well, there's, it's never been about an exit strategy. Given, given the cash flow model of, of this mine, I mean, it's not something that you just want to go out and sell. We have a lot of upside on the project. But obviously size makes, uh, you know, size helps in this business. And once in production, we'd be considered a large junior. You get a much bigger premium as a mid-tier producer. So it would either be, there would definitely be some uh, M&A activity down the road. 
either near term or once post production. Okay, but for now it's about uh, getting to cash flow and getting the mine running and, and getting everything there on time. Yeah, well, I've, I've been running this company for two years, and a month into taking over the company, I had a single target, and that was to get this thing into production as fast as I could, okay. uh, given the cash flow it was going to spin off, and, and essentially everything I laid out two years ago, we're, we're on plan for that. Okay, very good. Um, who are your, you've mentioned your major shareholders. Is it, is it, uh, do you have a lot of retail shareholders? We have a very small retail shareholding base. Uh, a lot of it is that there isn't a sort of bank analyst coverage on the company, and, and a lot of that has to do with not having a feasibility study or a PEA on the project period. So it, it's tougher to explain to a retail audience when you're restricted from saying certain things on the project. So we ended up upside down to... To most junior companies, in the in the fact we're heavily institutionally owned, and is very similar to the, the numbers of institutional shareholders and the amount of the amount of debt, and the the retail holding of the company is very similar to any other company that's not followed the the feasibility model going into production. They okay. all we almost all look identical. They do. But um, the, uh, there's, a, there's a niche, there's, a, a, there's a, a little gap in the silver market for junior producers that make it properly. Um, there's a few big, you know, a few of the ones that have made it have gone on to become big ones and then others have disappointed. And there's, there's, a, there's a little niche there that's been waiting, that's open to be taken up. So. Oh, I, I think, uh, you know, any, any retail investor that does their own research and, and is able to do some of their own numbers has found, you know, will find significant upside from here in the company. The institutional investors, most of the money has been raised at similar prices to where we are today, and and there's still the opportunity for the average investor to get the same upside as the institutions that have done their due diligence. Very good. What do you think of silver? Silver is a very interesting metal. I mean, we've had uh, you know, there's 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 all sorts of theories about the way it's been traded, but the, the biggest thing I look at in in the long term is the industrial demand, and and with the the, you know the the drop in the use of, in use from the film industry is being replaced by the high technology business and and so the industrial consumption is increasing constantly so as a store of value I, I believe silver is excellent and is even compared to gold to the average person so I, I see upside in the prices from here just based on the industrial demand setting aside the uh, the investment demand okay very good and just as we close Ryan, I suppose a good place to close is with your, your 2012 objectives. Um, or let's, no, let's just quickly do the share structure and then we'll talk about the 2012 objectives. So share structure, um, tell us about shares outstanding, warrants, options and so yeah, on. There's currently 33.5 million shares outstanding as of a couple of days ago. We are getting some warrants in. Uh, we have about 9.6 million warrants outstanding and 2.6 million options. Most of the warrants themselves, most of the average strike price on them is around a dollar ten or a dollar fifteen. The average changes every day. So the warrants themselves have, uh, you know, an implied value to the company on a cash basis of about twelve million dollars. Okay, and what's your, you're trading at one thirty three at the moment? What's your kind of year high and your all time high? The all time high was, uh, I, I believe, shortly after PDAC last year, and we hit two twenty five, and uh, I believe the low was somewhere around eighty nine cents in that in that time. Frame. December, I believe, is when we hit the hit the low point for the year. Let's just uh, go through to as we close your twenty twelve objectives. Um, uh, objective number one: to commission and have the plant fully operational. Uh, early in the second quarter of the year, so you're moving towards that. 
The second is to pr process 60,000 tonnes of material per year, and that 60,000 tonnes will give you 2 million ounces of silver. Yeah, approximately. We, the, the, the mine itself is being permitted for 60,000 tonnes. We already have a significant stockpile. So the mill itself is capable of producing, of, of running through 70,000. So for, for at least the first couple of years, we, the throughput on the mill can be 70,000. And given the grades we're at, you multiply it out and you end up right around two. Okay, and then next objective is to begin an exploration program on the property to explore for copper and magnetite resources. So you'll, I presume you'll start concentrating on that when the mills, when, when the, when you, once you're producing again. Yeah, the mill site itself had a, a significant underground copper mine on it that was shut down in ore uh, when copper prices were very low in 1982. So there is upside, and, and we'll probably we'll remove that company from the basic corporate structure into its own company, but. We're, we're working on putting together an uh, uh, exploration plan on that property right now. Okay, and, and you're, you're thinking about rolling that into a separate public company? Yeah, we have an obligation with the people. We purchase the mill property. The Holder Silver owns the mill property, the tailings rights, the millings rights, but the exploration assets, it was always intended to put that into a separate company with the previous shareholders having a, a personal stake in it. Okay, very good. So, uh, and then expand the aggregate reserves and look for acquisitions and joint ventures, which we've kind of covered. Yeah. Well, um, it's, a very, it's a very exciting story, Ryan, and I suppose as we close... Is there anything else you'd like to mention? I think we've kind of covered everything pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I think I think we're all good here. And if anybody's interested in uh, looking at the company further, we we do have a website www.holdersilver.com where, where we try to keep everything up to date as much as we can. But we do move along pretty quickly. Okay, very good. That website once again is holdersilver.com, and the uh, company trains with the ticker symbol HDA on the Toronto Venture Exchange and the President and CEO is Ryan Sharp. Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes.